Welcome back, everybody. It is Encounter with God time here on Faith FM. The messages have been coming through thick and fast this morning. So mm. we've got a bunch of messages we've got to work our way through. Okay, so where do we go? Where do we go with that? Where do we start with our text messages? Okay, so we had prayer for a very special listener here on Faith FM this mm. morning um, and his family. Um, and so we've had a text message that's just come through from his pastor um, and um, just saying, stating that there's going to be a prayer vigil today. Mm. Um, if you possibly think it's appropriate to share this on Faith FM, which I do think it's appropriate to share, by asking folks to pray for baby Bella and her mum and dad from mm. 1 p.m. to 2 p.m. today while they turn off her life support. Oh. Yeah. Man, that's hard. Um, prayer vigil today. Uh, yeah, we're all going to be praying for a miracle for Bella and for God's peace to cover them. If you're unable to unite in prayer on Zoom, please stop and pray for them wherever you may be uh, and then give some Zoom details here and so forth that we can't really give over on, on air. Mm. Uh, but, yeah, please, uh, between 1 and 2 p.m. today, be praying for this family. Yeah, I, for I, sure. I can't even begin to imagine what they are going through um, at this time. And so, we, yeah, we just ask that, um, yeah, all you guys, Absolutely. send up a prayer. Awesome. All right, what else we got here? Ooh. Okay, so this one is, we've got a few comments here. Um, this one, The first one comes through in relationship to the story we had on gambling mm. earlier. If you were Satan, what better way to destroy families? Mm. Sometimes for generations. Yeah, yeah. And that's exactly what gambling does. Then we've got another text message coming through with a question of the day. And by the way, if you want to send us a message, we'd love to hear from our listeners. So please do send them through. There's a whole, during during the interview, we had a whole bunch of text messages come through. Uh, question of the day: Why did Satan choose the snake to deceive Eve? And why the snake cursed by God? Did the snake have a choice, or did Satan have a choice? Oh, so why the snake? Yeah, interesting. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so we're going to uh, we'll, we'll put That's that really on. The, we'll question. put that. We'll put yeah, on the list for question of the day. We why do not, have a list. Yeah. Why not choose a cat? Mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, then uh, some comments in relationship to the interview. Mm-hmm. Uh, marriages in heaven, I believe, refers to the one thousand years in heaven, not after the, not in the new earth. The only way to explain families being reunited and building and planting their gardens in the new earth. Just a thought. Mm. Ooh, I've not thought wait, of that wait, one wait. before. Can you say that again? Okay, okay, okay. So God yeah. says when you're in heaven, you'll be yeah, like yeah. the angels, neither marrying or marry. giving in marriage. Yes. Okay. Which makes sense to me, yeah. But does that apply to the new earth that says heaven? Oh, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay. But why would we need to have that? Because marriage is amazing. Look, I couldn't I'm, imagine anything worse than being. I'm no, going to give you that. I could imagine a lot of things being worse than single, <laughs> but I don't, I, I don't even want to think about being single. I give you that because you're married. Yeah, I, I speak from experience. Do not look at it and go, "Yes, that's the best." <laughs> that's because that's because you cannot speak from experience, whereas I can. True, but there are plenty of people who have the experience who also would disagree. Have you noticed how many people have had the experience and then launched back into it again? Actually, which is very interesting. It is, which shows that there is a tremendous value in it. Oh, I'm not saying it's not valuable. Like, I absolutely. And I'm saying a tremendous amount of value. If you can go through that much pain and then say, I'll give it another crack, 
that means that there is an incredible amount of value in it. Yeah. Nah, look, it's definitely God-given, but that is, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. Mm, mm. Mm. Interesting comment. Okay, so th- I, I'm, I'm super intrigued. I've never heard this wait, thought wait, before. Wait, what do you think? I'm thinking. Okay, okay. <laughs> good, good, good. I'm thinking. Okay, then we've got this one. Where is it? Where is it? Where did it go? We had another one come through here. Okay, question of the day. And this one is also coming from the interview. Who is Melchizedek? Yeah. Because we had an interview. Uh, we talked about the uh, Oz Table Talk podcast. Mm-hmm. We talked to Luke on our interview. Uh, if you want to know who they decided Melchizedek might be, then you can head, head over to Oz Table Talk and listen to their podcast where they discuss that particular question. Um, and we will also put it on our list for question of the day here. Oh, this is an interesting one. This one came through. Okay, did you know in South Korea, gambling is illegal even for Koreans? Go Korea, right? Yeah, yeah, right. Even if they travel overseas, they can be charged for gambling while abroad. Wait, how do you monitor that? I don't know, but I think that's an epic law. I mean, maybe they just go through your social media and it's like, ooh, he's gambling. Lock him up when he Lock him up at the airport when he lands. That's epic. However... However, there is a massive, massive however on this. Uh-huh. The Korean government has a bunch of casinos in the country uh-huh. for the use of international travellers only. So go then figure. they can make money off it. It's like if you go yeah. to uh, the UAE uh, and if you uh, sign up that you are a Roman Catholic, you can buy alcohol. Yeah. If you're an atheist, you can't. What? So if you want to go to the UAE and buy alcohol, make sure you don't put down atheists. Make sure you put down they only let they only let Roman Catholics drink alcohol. Don't tell people that. <laughs> no, I shouldn't say that. Why am I saying that? That's a terrible idea. <laughs> but terrible, it is, it is interesting idea. when places weird, have a double standard. Yeah, it? it's a mm-hmm. weird double standard, isn't yeah. it? It's like we're not going to let any of our citizens ruin their lives. But everyone else, free reign. But what we will do is we will destroy the rest of the world so that we can have world dominance. Maybe this is South Korea's plan for world dominance. Mm, Look, interesting. Man, my brain is still ticking on that one. That's okay. Okay, so um, yeah, okay. Just a reminder that if we've missed anything on the uh, – in the show, then mm-hmm. you can catch up on the podcast. So if you missed the story about gambling or if you missed the story about Melchizedek or if you missed the story about – what was the other one that got mentioned? Um, the New Earth marriage. The New Earth marriage, yeah. the New Earth. Then you can catch it up on the podcast. Mm-hmm. Okay. Oh, okay. The, this, um, <clears throat> so this is – okay. So you've been educated by another married person right here, another text okay. message coming through. Oh, let me see here. God made men and women to be married. It was the first thing he did in Eden. He blessed marriage and it comes from a time before sin. Yeah, but there was also no other humans. <laughs> That's a lame excuse. No, I'm just saying. That is so I'm just lame. saying, like, you, there, now there's friends. You don't need to be married. Anyway, this is <laughs> rabbit hole. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay. All right. <laughs> I... The the, the the eisegesis that just came out of your mouth just then, I didn't even know where to go with that. That was the most loving, you're an idiot, I've ever heard. It's like, <laughs> it's like okay. <laughs> 
<laughs> oh dear, that was epic. All right, let's just let's just go to our Bible study. Um, Brilliant. And <laughs> I'm just stumped for words. I'm just saying, when people use the <laughs> argument for marriage, they're like, the Bible says it's not good for men to be alone. I was like, yeah, because he literally had no other humans. Like, there was no option for human interaction. There was God, which is also amazing. But also now, many, many, many humans, millions of humans even, if I wanted to interact. Yes, I get that it's not the same. I know, I understand it is a different relationship, but also... <laughs> Last to like, nah, wrong. Okay, so we're just going to turn to the yes, first yes. verse of our Bible study for today. I'm not making this up. Mm-hmm. Genesis. <laughs> this is actually we're going in the there, Bible we're study. Going straight there. Uh, if you could turn to Proverbs for okay. us, chapter 31. Mm-hmm. Uh huh. Oh, okay. And All verse right. 10. All right, I'll see where we're going with this. <sighs> Okie dokie. Who can find a virtuous and capable wife? She is more precious than rubies. Her husband can trust her and she will greatly enrich his life. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. She finds wool and flax and busily spins it. She's like a merchant ship bringing her food from afar. She gets up before dawn to prepare prepare breakfast for her household and plan the day's work for her servant girls. She goes to inspect a field and buys it. With her earnings, she plants a vineyard. She's energetic and strong, a hard worker. She makes sure her dealings are profitable. Her lamp burns late into the night. How far am I going? Uh, as far as you want. Oh, okay. Look. You know, take, take, take this as, as, as far as you want. Okay, the Bible says, the Bible says, who can find a virtuous wife for her worth is far above rubies. Mm-hmm. Okay. This the is suggesting. Value, the value mm-hmm. of a marriage relationship right here. No. The Bible says is far above No, no, rubies. no, no. Specific sort of relationship. Yes. Somebody who gets a virtuous wife. Yes, but there, it, this sounds like it's actually a little bit rare because it's like who can find one, right? So that means there are many, many out there. Probably also <laughs> talks about how many times it's like a woman who is like this is like a dripping – what is it? A woman who nags is like a dripping something. Better to live on the, on yeah. the, on the pointy <laughs> edge of the roof. Better to live sitting on the pointy edge of the roof than in a house with a nagging woman. Yeah. So, you know, I'm just saying, I'm not disagreeing that marriage can be great. I'm just saying it can also be terrible. Okay, we live in a world of sin. And because we live in a world of sin, our relationships are affected by sin and we see that all the time. Mm. That's a tragedy. Mm. Um, At the same time, we were created by God for social connection and social connection in an intimate relationship. Mm. And, you know, people who uh, marry people just, you know, they live longer, they live happier, they have less health problems, you know, the list goes on and on and on. Um, <clears throat> you can cut your incidence of heart disease by one a full one-third just through um, good quality social connectedness and mm. emotional intimacy. Um, and so, yeah, the Bible actually has a lot to say that's very, very positive towards marriage. It also has a lot to say that is positive towards singleness. I will I will uh, concede yes. that. Yes. <laughs> um, that, you know... The Bible does talk, you know, Paul does talk about his singleness mm. and the advantages that it brings to him as an itinerant missionary, you know, traveling the world. And you can imagine that it would be quite challenging for Paul to, you know, if you look at, at where he traveled, what he did, the persecutions that he suffered, mm. if he'd been married, he kind of would have had two options. One was to would be to leave his wife at home, and that's not a great relationship. Uh, the other option would be to take her with him 
and that would be incredibly challenging as well. Absolutely. And so you can kind of see why God called some people to uh, a life of single ministry. Mm. Uh, what you do find in the Bible, that is the, the exception and not the rule. Yeah, and look, I agree with that. Yeah. I still have my own little thoughts, but that's okay. But no, look, look. You can have your own little thoughts all you want. <laughs> we will read what the Bible says. <laughs> uh, dear, let me see. We've got, uh, <coughs> yep, okay. We're all good. Uh, let me see. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22 Let's start Ephesians chapter 5, verse 22. Okay, so for wives, this means submit to your husbands as to the Lord. For a husband is the head of his wife, as Christ is the head of the church. He is the saviour of his body, the church. As the church submits to Christ, so you wives should submit to your husbands in everything. Verse 25? Uh, And 26. Okay, so for husbands, this means love your wives just as Christ loved the church. He gave up his life for her to make her holy and clean, washed by the cleansing of God's word. There's a couple of things that I think are very significant about this piece of uh, relationship advice right here. And you know, the Bible study puts it in the context of parenting. And, of course, this is what children need to see in their parents. Mm. Uh, actually, before we comment on that, go down to verse... 33. Got there in verse 33. Okay. Yep. So again, I say each man must love his wife as he loves himself, and the wife must respect her husband. Okay. So there's a, there's a few different issues here. First of all, you know, there's a lot of people that get bent out of shape when the Bible says the wives should submit to their husband. Mm-hmm. And there's a story in today's news where uh, three people have been arrested in Shepparton because for um, for uh, human trafficking because oh. they were involved in uh, a forced marriage. Mm. And that forced marriage resulted in the murder of the wife. Oh! And part of the tragedy of, of this whole story was that this wife, you know, three months before she was married to this guy, had reached out to the police, um, and they had, you know, offered her a whole bunch of different services. They had offered her um, emergency training. Mm. Uh, so that if something bad happened in the family, she knew what to do. They had offered her emergency accommodation um, and long-term support through the Red Cross, who have a whole setup for people who are victims of trafficking. Mm. They had uh, offered her, you know, uh, police intervention. And uh, as it turned out, she didn't avail herself of any of those things. And of course, you can't just go in, in and force, you know, and make a decision on somebody. On a person's behalf, mm. and you know, if you do that, you can often make the situation ten times worse than what it was. And so, um, you know, we see situations like that, and we read a verse here. You know, wives submit yourselves to your husbands. It's like, wow, that's that's that. Ooh, really? Mm. Mm-hmm. But then we don't actually. We don't often, and you know. <sighs> I think religious people in the past have often read where the Bible says wives submit and not read any further. <laughs> yeah. Because then the Bible goes on and says husbands love your love your wives as Christ loved the church. Okay, so how much did Christ love the church? Oh, with everything. How far was he re- prepared like to go? Like here it says, you know, he gave up his life. Absolutely. For his church. So in other words, if you are not prepared to give your life for your wife, hmm. you're not qualified to be married. You have no right to be married whatsoever at all unless you are prepared to lay down your life for your wife. And 
that's not obsession because no. you know we do need to draw the differentiation between obsession um, and and love, but that's just true love. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because obsession becomes obsession is about control uh, and insecurity. So your insecurities, the, the you know, or the the one spouse's insecurities then manifest in control. So we're not talking about obsession, we're talking about love. And often people who are obsessed see that as love, whereas not actually. Yep. They yeah, think yeah, they're yeah. in love, but it's they're not, not. It's not. Yeah, it's, it's, not. it's like it's not love. It's like emotional addiction in a way. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm. And so um but the other thing that's significant here is the way that God provides for men and women's needs in this passage. Because a woman's need is to be loved. Yeah, ninety percent of her emotional needs is to be loved. Uh, then it goes on in verse thirty-three, and it says, "Wives, respect your husbands." Yeah, yeah. Ninety uh, percent of a man's emotional needs is respect. Interesting. Mm. And what we often do is we talk about the love relationship, and we make it all about love, where it's actually about love and respect. And we get the relationship out of balance. Yeah, yeah. If we do so, and because one partner's needs are not being met, then uh, the marriage can fall apart because it's like the wife just, she needs love, so she pours out love. Mm. The husband needs respect, so he pours out respect, and neither party needs. <laughs> yeah. Doesn't provide for either. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM, positively different. So you've got some support, Minnie. Huh? You've got some support. Hey. Yeah. What? Who said what? Somebody, somebody texted in. What'd they say? Uh, in these last days, it may not be wise to get married for it's going to be very mm. difficult, especially if you marry outside the faith. Well, I'd say it's never wise to marry outside the faith. There's no scenario in which that's ever going to be a smart idea. Um, I've never seen anything good come from that. Just putting it out there. Yeah. Um, it's true that I mean I think you know like what's like if Jesus is coming soon um, and I, I have seen couples that I think they actually have an amazing ministry by being together. You oh, know, I have some close friends and I'm like, yes, of course. Like if Jesus is going to come, you two. T- this is like to me as a human, I'm like, this makes sense. But I also think that yeah, what's more important, like salvation or marriage? For some people, both can go hand in hand. I think for some people, I don't know. I'm not. I'm not judging. I'm not being like you shouldn't. But also, I'm like, like what's the purpose? Like, what's the purpose of marriage? What's the purpose of church? What's your pur- it's mission. Mm, absolutely. All right, let's go to 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 3. 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse... No, no, let's go to... No, no not that one. Let's do a different one here. <laughs> okay. Uh, okay, this one I think is very relevant. Uh, this one's 2 Corinthians chapter mm-hmm. 6 and verse 4. We've got a bunch of verses in the Bible study today. Uh, we'll work our way through them. Six this one's verse. very relevant to the... Comment that just came in via text message. Oh, yes. Don't team up with those who are unbelievers. How can righteousness be a partner with wickedness? How can light live with darkness? Okay. Um, there's, a, there's a principle here that applies to, and if you read it in its context, Paul is referring to uh, marriage relationships. Mm. But the principle is broader than that. Mm. And so there can be a tremendous amount of danger in other forms of partnerships, you know, business partnerships and so on, um, teaming up together with somebody who is an unbeliever. And, you know, the person just, you know, texts through, especially difficult if you marry outside of the faith. Mm. Uh, From my own experience, you know, obviously being in ministry, this is something that you see semi-regularly. 
And as I said before, I've never seen anything good come from it. I've just seen massive, massive amounts of pain. Mm. Um, And, you know, because of that and because of what I've experienced and because of what the Bible says here in the plainest possible language, I can never support somebody who, you know, decides to go down that path because I can't support somebody who is just choosing pain for them, a path of pain. Could you, if someone asked you to marry them, like in a, like a Christian with someone who wasn't, would you, when you say you wouldn't support that, is that like, man, I just, I can't do this ceremony? Or you're just like, hey, there are some things you need to seriously ask yourself. Like, how would you, do you know what I mean? Like, how would you actually yeah, the, um, deal with that? Very simply, very um, straightforward answer to that question. I'm happy to do a wedding for, because, you know, I can legally yeah, yeah. marry anybody who can be legally married in Australia. Uh, as a minister of religion, um, happy to marry you know somebody you know two people of the same faith. Happy to marry two people of no faith. Mm. But if it was one, a mixed relationship, no way. The yeah, Bible okay. absolutely forbids it. Okay. Yeah, there's just there's just no scenario in which that could ever happen. And not only does the Bible forbid it, but the um, the results are just so incredibly disastrous. Mm. Because the the reality is that your spouse has certain rights and privileges as a human being. Mm, mm. So I'll give you an example. Um, a couple that got married, she was Protestant, he was Roman Catholic. Both of them devout, both of them love the Lord, um, and they're like, you know, we've, we've got this uh, great relationship with God, um, we've, there's no problem with this. They, they lived happily together for many, many years. They had children together, and then, um, you know, as the children were getting older, the husband wants to take the, uh, the, the oldest daughter to confirmation in the Roman Catholic Church. Now, for him as a Roman Catholic, that is salvational. Mm. Without that, his daughter is lost, yeah. eternally lost. Yeah. And so that's incredibly salvational. For the Protestant... That means nothing. ...being married to the, ch- to the Roman Catholic Church, that's salvational. In other words, this person's going to be lost because they're becoming married to the Roman Catholic Church. Yeah. You see the problem? Uh-huh, uh-huh. And so... In this case, the Protestant comes to me and is like, you need to tell my husband that he can't do this. He has no right to do this to our child because, you know, of all of these biblical reasons. And I'm like, there's no way I can do that. He has every right to do that Mm. because he is this child's father. Yeah, yeah. And as a father, he has the right to be able to uh, and, and the responsibility to do what he can to lead his daughter to Christ in the way that he sees best and to lead her to salvation in the way that he sees best. That's his God-given right. I disagree with what he's doing because I'm not a Roman Catholic, mm. right? And, and you know, the, the pain that, come, that comes out of that, and then, it, of course, the marriages just tear apart and that's like ten times worse over for the kids all, you know, on top of that all again. It's just... It's just it's just agony. I think you've got a really good point, though. Like, so I have a few friends. I mean, I'm in my late 20s-ish, and I've had a few friends over the years who get married. And it's just interesting, like, as an outsider to be like, you know, I've seen you guys dating for this many years or this or that, or maybe we're short. And it's just there's no formula to relationships, I think. No, there is none. The Bible does not give a no. formula. The Bible actually goes out of its way to say there is no formula. <laughs> It really, really does. <laughs> but I think like when it comes to like this sort of passage, you know how we're talking the other day, and I know it's not specifically related, but it's like, you know, we don't like to call sin sins. I think we also, generally speaking now, we don't like to bring this up as being as serious as it is. 
Does that make sense? Absolutely. Like, Particularly when we see two people that are desperately in love yeah. and we love them both and totally. they are just the best kind of people. Yeah. It's really, really hard yeah. when they come and say, can you do our wedding and to mm. say no. Yeah, yeah. Or can you do, you know, uh, yeah, no, it's just, that's incredibly difficult. Yeah. And I have I have a friend, um, a mate, like, you know, I've been friends with them for years and her husband now, now husband, I think they dated for like... Oh, it might have been about seven years before they got engaged and it was only the last six months when he became a Christian. But in those early years, whoo, he had some stuff. And, like, it was fair stuff. Like, there were some pretty deep wounds there and he was not – he was very anti-church for many reasons, very, I'm not interested in your God, that's your your thing, you do your Jesus stuff. I was the Jesus-y friend. Like, <laughs> you know, <laughs> when I'd go hang out with them and like, oh, your Jesus-y friend is coming, hey. Like, <laughs> and I, at the time I wasn't particularly – Jesus, you know, I just happened to go to the same church as she did. Um, and that was something that, man, I could never say to her, like, dude, like, damage, you're being very hurt by that. And I could see it. Like, you know, yes. they would break up, they'd get back together. Anyway, they it became a lot more stable as the years went on. And, you know, and it's been really amazing, like, being at their wedding and hearing his life change and seeing, you know, just his social media posts were changed. And I was like, wow, this is a changed heart. Like God has met this person, but that's not the majority. No, it's like not. it just isn't. Yeah. And I was like, man, would you have gone into being married to this guy if it wasn't that? And I have full empathy for her because yeah, she just she loved him. That she was like, man, I don't want him to not be my life. And I, but it, like what you're saying, there was so much wounding that happened. And now that they're married, there's actually a bunch of stuff that's come up that they're having to kind of deal with. And um, you know, praise God, he's there and he's working, but. I think, from my experience, this is something in church that we often don't really talk yeah, about. It's no, either done don't. very harshly, just don't do it, you're a terrible person, or it's just, oh, but, you know, maybe we, you know, like very I tend maybe. to be on the don't do it side. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, which is strong language, but I would never say that anyone's a terrible person. But you can don't do it with love. Does that make sense? Yeah. You can say, hey, look, this is not healthy, mm-hmm. and you can say that truth with love, or it can be... Nasty. And I think I've often heard nasty. Right. Mm. Yeah. Or nothing at all. <laughs> I, I was in a, uh, in a youth meeting one time where the minister actually made an appeal for anyone who was in an unbiblical relationship to break it off. Oh. Two people came down the front and made phone calls and broke off the relationship. Well done them. That's yeah. hard. Oh, it was, um, it was very strong. But wow. It was a powerful experience. Mm. Yeah, a very, very emotional experience. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. Okay, now it is time for Question of the Day. So we've got a bunch of questions here. Which one are we doing? Well, I think we were doing yours because you look like you were researching. Oh, oh did, did I? No, I was, I was oh, researching something else. Okay, well, if you give me... So basically, one of the questions is... Yes. So in, I think it's 2 Samuel, David... Well, in 1 Samuel, Saul gives David his daughter to be married to him. That's right. And then he's like, just kidding, I'm not a fan of this David guy. Let's give her to someone else. Anyway, then David proceeds to have a string of wives that he collects. Yes. Then when he comes back, she... Saul's daughter is married. She has a husband. She got married to but somebody else. But he's like, I want her. Yes. Why Why do we have these stories, essentially? Like, like we know that David is a man after God's heart. We know that. Why does the Bible – maybe this is the question more. Why does the Bible not specifically speak into these situations? We talk about him with – is it Bathsheba? And go, oh, that was really bad that he killed the husband. Well, no, he has a history of taking – 
wives who aren't his. Okay, really, really good, <laughs> really good point that you've raised right here. And I think one of the things about the Bible is that the Bible is already a pretty thick book. Mm. Yes. And so if you clarify every detail mm. and qualify every detail, you're going to have you're going to go from a thick book to an impossibly thick book. <laughs> And so there's a lot of things in the Bible that are assumed because the Bible says plainly thou shalt not commit adultery. And so when the Bible Mm -hmm. says that David had lots of wives, it's assumed that you're smart enough to know that David was committing adultery and doing the wrong thing and sinning. And that as a result of that, he would need to ask for forgiveness and to uh, repent of his sin, etc. But he seems to keep doing the same thing, right? This is the thing. Have you ever had that experience? Yes. I sure have. Yeah, it's true. It's true, though. All right. And this is what the Bible says. A righteous man... Mm. falls, right? Mm. When you think about that, seven times. Yeah. Seven is just a number of complete, completeness. He, he falls completely. Mm-hmm. A righteous Ooh, man. Yes. But he gets back up again. Uh-huh. And that's the difference. That's the difference between David and Saul. If you look at Saul's life, Saul didn't do anything that was anywhere near as bad as what David did. Mm. You know, Saul, Saul, okay, so let's let's talk about the things that Saul did. Okay, the witch of Endor, yeah, that's right up there, no Mm. question. Uh, But let's talk about the big events previous to that because by the time he goes to the witch of Endor, his probation's already closed. That's it, it's over, he's done, right? So his biggest sin was sparing the life of Agag and a bunch of stock. Yes, yeah. That was his biggest sin. He lost the kingdom over that, of that sin, right? He was told to destroy them. And, Didn't. of course, you know, you go to the story of Queen Esther and you've got Haman, the Agagite, and so, the, you know, the descendants of this, you know, particular individual are still causing trouble. So there's probably some good reasons why um, Agag should have been destroyed, you know, and all of his family back then. Uh, but, you know... One of Saul's other biggest sins. Let's think of his other biggest sin. His other biggest sin was offering a sacrifice Mm. when Samuel was supposed to offer it. And so then you compare that with the life of David and it just goes from one to the next to the next (laughs) to the next to the next. I mean, you know, Bathsheba is the biggest because Bathsheba is the point at which he commits adultery and then to cover up the adultery, and I believe he committed rape as well, Oh, that'll get some people stirred up. Mm. Call me on that one um, and I will defend that position maybe tomorrow. But rape, adultery and then to cover it up, murder, murder. right? Add that to a very, very long list. And what God, is, what God is saying here, God is demonstrating the power of his grace mm. yeah. so that when we are in the depths of sin, God can say, well, you know, you haven't gone as far as David and if I can forgive David and if I can extend grace to David, I can extend it to you. That's the message that God is giving to us in the story of David is that anybody know how deeply they enter into sin, even when they know it is sin, they can still come back to God and they can still find grace with God. You cannot go so far that you cannot come back to God. Mm, Powerful. Yeah, Mm. absolutely. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.